question in mind. Okay, so this is a seven of coins. This card represents your situation. Okay. All right. So this card shows Nanahuatzin from Aztec Mexican mythology, who represents the desire for a good harvest, although it might require some sacrifice. Now, the harvest is in reference to your situation. So it could mean the desire for a good outcome after a project complete. So maybe a work project or a personal project that you've been working on. Or it could be referencing a birth or rebirth. The sacrifice it's speaking of could mean of time, monetary sacrifice, or personal sacrifice. Possibly all three. Oh, that's interesting considering my question. And only Nanahuatzin will determine when it's right for you to be patient or when you should scrap everything and start over again. And that's just going to be something that's determined or becomes clear to you over time. Okay, that's interesting. I'm, that's right along the lines of the question. So what this card is telling me is that you'll be rewarded with perseverance and investment. Alright, so the second card, this is your obstacle. So when we flip this card over, and again we want to flip these left to right so that if you have pulled them inverted, which this one you actually did, it won't change the, the outcome of your reading. Okay. Okay, so the obstacle is the star in reverse. Okay, so the star is a symbol of hope, sometimes after disaster. And it speaks of the need to stay positive, knowing things are going to get better again, to stay calm and open to future possibilities. Okay. Right? So have an open mind and an open heart. And interestingly, this is your obstacle card and you pulled it in reverse. So it does tell me that you might be feeling some insecurity or despair that things keep getting in the way, maybe. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So when we look at the star overall, though, it's telling us to stay positive and have hope that things will turn around. So even though there's obstacles in the way, the star is saying have hope. This card is your action recommended card. So this is the, the action that's being recommended for the outcome that you want, basically. And you pulled the Ace of Wands. So this card shows the magic paintbrush from Chinese folklore, which represents creativity, passion, daring. Hmm. Uh, That magical moment before paint hits canvas and dreams and possibilities are within reach. So it's showing new beginnings and a spark or growth and excitement. Does that make sense? (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So this card is telling me that you should be excited and ready for new beginnings with a lot of growth and passion involved. And depending on your situation, it's telling you that your goal is obtainable. Okay. (laughs) So your outcome is your last card and you picked the Hierophant. So this is the white Buffalo woman, which is a Dakota deity. And she's a divine figure and a teacher who teaches the rules and rituals of community. So she resembles tradition, compassion, and social approval. Which is telling me that you need to have a support system, family, or community. um, That your outcome will require these things for growth. And will come with legacy and will require a place within your community or your family. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Greetings. You have wandered upon Broomstave Witchery, a podcast that explores all things pagan. My name is Sabrin Whitethorn, 
and I'll be your guide. So grab yourself some tea and come talk a spell with me. The tarot is a pack of cards that originated in the mid-15th century in various parts of Europe. While originally intended for amusement, tarot cards began being used for divination or cardomancy in the late 18th century, leading to the creation of decks for occult purposes. Tarot decks are known to have originated between 1440 and 1450 in Milan and Florence, Italy, and show that additional trump cards were added to the common four-suit packs and were referred to as triumph or triomphi cards, later being referred to simply as trumps in English. Today, tarot is a psychological and philosophical tool used for personal growth and transformation. It helps to fulfill a basic need for self-understanding. Tarot works because it uses the universal language of symbolism, working with the subconscious and activating the intuitive mind without barriers or filters of conscious thought. The most well-known and influential decks of the 20th century are the Rider-Waite-Smith deck from 1909 and the Crowley-Harris or Thoth deck from 1910. Both creators were members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, a secret society devoted to the study and practice of the occult established in 1887. There are innumerable types of decks that exist today, varying in both artwork and interpretation. It's best to widen your knowledge by learning what each designer has to say about the decks that they have created. Tarot decks consist of 78 cards, 22 major arcana, and 56 minor arcana. Representing the archetypal symbols of the journey through life, the major arcana are to be taken seriously upon their appearance in a reading. They're not part of the four suits of the tarot, and finding one in a reading points to the gravity of an important person entering your life, a significant event that is about to occur, or something extraordinary that's about to happen. They're telling you to pay attention. While the designers of many contemporary decks have renamed the Major Arcana to reflect their personal artwork and interpretation, here's what you would generally find in a traditional deck. Numbered as zero, the Fool speaks of a free spirit, innocence, new beginnings, and spontaneity. When reversed, it could represent holding back, recklessness, or risk-taking. One is the Magician resembling power, inspired action, manifestation, and resourcefulness. But watch out for this card in reverse, as it warns of manipulation and may represent poor planning and talents left untapped. 2. The High Priestess The Divine Feminine, which speaks of sacred knowledge, intuition, and the subconscious mind— Reversed, there may be a disconnection from intuition, secrets, silence, and withdrawal. Three is the Empress, which represents beauty, nature, nurture, and abundance, although when reversed shows creative blocking and dependence upon others. Four, the Emperor, is a father figure and means authority, establishment, and structure, although when reversed shows domination or excessive control, lack of discipline, and inflexibility. 
the Hierophant is number five and stands for religious beliefs and spiritual wisdom, institutions, conformity, and tradition. When reversed, the Hierophant speaks of personal beliefs, freedom, and challenging the status quo. Six, the lovers represent harmony, relationships, the alignment of values and choices. But read in reverse, it means self-love, disharmony, imbalance, and the misalignment of values. Seven is the chariot. It comes with control, willpower, determination, success, and action, but reversed displays opposition or lack of direction. The eighth card is strength, which speaks for itself, but also represents courage, influence, compassion, and persuasion. However, in reverse, strength can also refer to inner strength. Nine, the hermit, is all about soul-searching introspection, and inner guidance, while its reverse brings isolation, loneliness, and withdrawal. Ten is the Wheel of Fortune, and it's no surprise that this card represents good luck, karma, life cycles, destiny, and a turning point. Read in reverse, it speaks of bad luck, resistance to change, and breaking of cycles. Eleven is Justice, which demands fairness, truth, law, cause and effect, but warns of unfairness, lack of accountability, and dishonesty when seen reversed. The Hanged Man is card 12. While this card may sound disturbing, it represents letting go, new perspectives, and asks you to pause and surrender. If reversed, it speaks of delays and resistance, stalling and indecision. 13. Death. When this card appears in a reading, there's always a bit of a gasp, but it's not what it appears to be. Death speaks of a different kind of ending, changes, transformations, and transitions. When reversed, it speaks of death in terms of stagnation, resistance to change, personal transformation, and inner purging. It's always wise to view this card as the death of one phase of life or project and the rebirth or transition into the next. 14 is temperance, which shows balance, patience, purpose, and speaks of moderation, while when reversed, shows imbalance, excess, self-healing, and realignment. Card 15 is the devil, which stands for the shadow self, addiction or attachment, and restriction, and in reverse may show the exploration of dark thoughts, detachment, and the release of limiting beliefs. Sixteen is the tower, which represents chaos, sudden changes or upheaval, revelation and awakening. Reversed, it shows personal transformation, the fear of change, and averting disaster. The star, card 17, brings hope purpose, faith, renewal, and speaks of spirituality, while reversed shows the lack of faith, despair, and disconnection. 18 is the moon, which speaks of illusion, fear, anxiety, the subconscious, and intuition. Reversed, it means repressed emotion, inner confusion, and the release of fear. The sun is card 19, which obviously represents warmth, vitality, positivity, and success, 
but be mindful of its reverse, as it could represent feeling down or overly optimistic. 20 is judgment. It brings absolution and, of course, judgment, rebirth, and an inner calling, while its reverse brings self-doubt, an inner critic, and ignoring the call. And finally, the 22nd card of the major arcana, which is listed as 21, the world, represents travel, completion, integration, and accomplishment. Read in reverse, it could mean shortcuts, delays, or the seeking of personal closure. The 56 cards of the minor arcana are divided into four suits, traditionally known as wands, pentacles or coins, cups, and swords. While each suit has a general meaning, every card has an individual message. These cards are laid out similarly to a deck of playing cards, with one extra card, the page, added in. Each suit has 14 cards from ace to king. You can even see similarities in symbolism, wands replacing the playing deck's clubs, pentacles or coins replacing diamonds, cups replacing hearts, and swords replacing spades. Again, while the designers of many contemporary decks have renamed the minor arcana to reflect their personal artwork and interpretation, these suits and their archetypes are what you would generally find in a traditional deck. The element of earth is represented by wands. These contain the materialism or earthly matters. The message is concrete. Something, whether work or struggles, is done and there will be reward or consequence. The element of air is represented by pentacles or coins. They represent thoughts or things of the mind. Messages regarding matters of economy, study, or abstract thought in the mind, but not yet completed. The element of water is represented by cups, emotions, or feelings. Messages of an emotional nature, worries, happiness, temptation, hope, affection, disappointment, and other events or situations that affect the heart. The element of fire is represented by swords. These contain action or intention. The message is about actions needed or already engaged in, that change due to circumstance or necessity, or things that are in need of resolution. Choosing or finding a tarot deck is personal and individual. Choose a deck that you feel drawn to or connected to, which appeals to you artistically or that you feel would be best for you. You may end up with only one deck, or many of various types. It's all up to you, and there's no wrong answer. If you're unsure where or how to start, ask yourself the following questions. Would you prefer a traditional or more modern deck? Does the artwork on the cards appeal to you or make you feel a certain way? How do the cards feel in your hands? The size, texture, or energy? Of course, this is if you're able to physically touch them and you're not purchasing online. After reading the little white book included with the set, do you think the creator's interpretations will work for you? If you're still unsure, try looking up photos or videos of others who are using the decks that you're interested in on places like YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. 
sometimes seeing the cards in use or being able to see more of the artwork can be helpful in making your decision. So there's a statement floating around online that says you should never choose your own tarot deck. Really? Should you just allow someone else to pick a deck for you that you're ultimately unhappy with? I don't know about you, but the thought of owning a tarot deck that holds about as much meaning to me as that one ugly sweater I was gifted 10 years ago for the holidays doesn't really inspire any kind of connection with that particular deck. And then what would your readings be like? (laughs) The idea that you should never pick your own deck is preposterous. Please pick your own deck. Who knows you better than you? There's nothing wrong with letting someone else pick or help you pick a deck if they know you well enough, sure. But the idea that you shouldn't pick your own deck is about as ludicrous as being told that a rune set is too advanced for you. We all know my thoughts and feelings on that. Excuse me while I go bang my head against the wall somewhere. And there was your dose of brinchasm for this episode. Once you've chosen a deck, it's important to build a personal connection with your cards and to keep them cleansed, especially if you're doing readings for others as well as yourself. You'll find rituals through your actions and interactions with your cards that will naturally allow you to build rapport with them. The way you shuffle them, how you store them, and even the way you touch them. Some diviners prefer to have a separate deck to use for giving readings to others, keeping their personal decks for self-use, but that is not necessary. You can cleanse your deck as often as you feel the need, and it's always a good practice to cleanse your cards before giving a reading to others, allowing them to handle the cards or even shuffle them to infuse them with their energy. This gives them better results for their own reading, and you can always cleanse the cards after their reading. A few ways to cleanse your deck include smudging, running the deck through sage or palo santo smoke, shuffling, repeated and rhythmic shuffling both displaces old energy and creates and infuses the cards with new energy, and simply handling them. The act of holding your cards in your hands will freshen the energy. Allowing the person you're reading for to infuse them will also enhance their experience. So what's the difference between tarot and oracle cards? It's simple. Tarot includes 78 cards, traditionally structured decks with common meanings. Tarot typically gives a more detailed interpretation. Oracle decks can include any number of cards, typically between 12 and 100. They are a free-flowing structure with any content or meaning giving insight into a greater sense of what is going on. Think of it this way. Oracle cards represent the entire book, while tarot cards represent pages or chapters within that book. How about tarot versus runes? Runes involve skills and reliance on the ancient mystery and deep archetypes, as previously discussed in Season 2, Episode 2, Divination Runes, as they're a static set of symbols based on an ancient Germanic alphabet and therefore do not change. Tarot is based more on a connection to the reader and the interpretations by the creator of each particular deck and its imagery. While both work with the subconscious, tarot typically has a wider space for personal interpretation. 
As you prepare for a reading, as with casting runes, find a quiet or meditative area to perform your tarot reading. If it helps you find a relaxed state or set the tone for your reading, light candles, burn incense, or represent the elements in your reading area. Any surface can be used. However, most prefer to use a cloth for readings, which will keep your cards clean and protected. Once your cards are cleansed and energized, shuffle them well. Arrange your cards in the pattern of your layout. You can use any layout of your choice, although I will offer a few layouts that I find useful. Any tarot or rune layout will work just fine. Interpret the meaning of the entire layout in relation to your question. As every tarot deck has its own interpretations, you will need to refer to that deck's little white book of interpretations. In the opening of today's episode, you heard me giving Editor Smooge a simple four-card reading with a deck called Tarot of the Divine, inspired by deities, folklore, and fairy tales from around the world, which is an absolutely gorgeous deck. He chose four cards and lined them up, one through four. The first card represented the situation. The second, the obstacle. Card three recommended an action, and the fourth card spoke of the outcome. I'll post a few other examples of tarot spreads on Facebook and Instagram to show what they might look like, and as I mentioned, any rune layout would also work. In the future, I intend to speak more in detail about the various cards within the tarot decks, possibly focusing on the suits and their interpretations, as well as discussing various traditional decks and their histories, and talking about some of my favorite contemporary decks, their artists and artwork, and possibly reviewing some of the decks. Before we part ways, I'd like to give a small shout out to various pagan accounts on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok that I find educational or entertaining. Etsy or online shops that are pagan-based, websites, books, products, and physical stores that are pagan-written, crafted, owned, and operated. This week, I'd like to shine my pagan spotlight on Owl and Bones Tarot on Instagram. Owl and Bones advertises themselves as two tarot nerds. All I know is that they have some beautiful layouts, many of which I've used in my personal readings. They also show a wide variety of beautiful decks. Give them a few hearts and a few follows on Instagram at Owl and Bones Tarot. As always, I'll link their page in the podcast description. Before I hang up my broom for the day, I'd also like to congratulate again the two winners for the February Broomy Shots photo project. Your photos will go into the drawing for the quarterly prize. And March's photo list has been posted to Facebook and Instagram for anyone else who might want to join in. Check out Sweeping's Episode 1 for more details. I'd love to hear from you with any tarot layouts that have worked for you or bits of advice you'd like to offer. And if any of you are interested, I might start posting some tarot cards of the day on our online communities to give you a little insight or jumpstart for your morning. Happy divining, broomies. Thank you for conjuring up some time to spend with me today. And until next time, broomies, remember, don't drink and fly. 